before I officially decided to throw my hat in for the possibility of coming here to be rector, I did some looking around to learn about this community, about this church. And of course, I went to the website and I listened to recordings of sermons and I knew there would be affinity when I heard quotes from William Sloan Coffin. There's a special place in my heart for William Sloan Coffin, who was a great pastor of the 20th century and who many of you have heard his quotes from sermons from this pulpit I know in the past, whether you knew they were from him or not. Um, he was somebody who had this ability to deeply love the people while also speaking bold prophetic truths. He saw the injustices in the world and he spoke out to inspire people to use their lives to divest their privilege, to do good, to make the world more loving, more just. And he was also great with a turn of phrase. He would say things like, the problem with joyless Christians is that they aren't Christian enough. Or, you could win the rat race, but you're still a rat. <laughs> and one phrase that I knew was a phrase that, that some of you have heard because some have even quoted it back to me because it has meant so much, especially in these times, which is that God gives minimum protection but maximum support. So this man who was so full of life, I got to actually encounter him once, only once, and it was close to the end of his life. He was in his early 80s, and he had had a, a heart situation and I believe also a stroke. He was given six months to live, and when I saw him, it was one year after that point. Um, he had been a student at the seminary where I attended and then later became the chaplain of the university where that seminary was located. So they threw a big uh, festival over a weekend in honor of him and his life of ministry. And the highlight of the whole weekend was a big dinner in the dining hall where they had several hundred people gathered all to sing and celebrate with music and speeches. Um, Noel Stuckey and Peter Yarrow from Peter, Paul, and Mary were there they played some music, and Gary, Gary Trudeau, who had actually featured him as a character in Doonesbury, um, spoke about Bill Coffin. But the highlight of the night was when he stood up from his chair to give a very short speech. And he made just a few steps, but got on his own power to the podium, and he held on, and he looked out at the people, and with slurred speech, he said, As most of you know, my bags have been packed for about a year, but the ticket has not yet come. Or, maybe, this is heaven. We have spent time this past year on the threshold of life and death. We have seen in the midst of death some of the joys of small things and, and we have learned to appreciate things that during normal times we could easily look past and not take 
into account. Just simple things like being able to shake hands or give hugs or to see the face of the person in front of you when you're speaking. But also, we have been consumed with loss and with death to the point where it has become almost a way of life these last 12 months, or rather a way of not really living. And on that point, don't get me wrong, precautions are very important. We need to be safe. That is the loving thing to do, to be careful, to attend to one another. And I should say, if you can get a vaccine, it's important that you do get your vaccine. The sooner that we are all vaccinated, the sooner we will be able to get beyond this time. But even in the midst of the pandemic, there is life. And we learn the lesson to not count our days, but to make our days count. The old prayer says, in the midst of life, we are in death. But Jesus reminds us, and old Bill Coffin also reminds us, that in the midst of death, we are in life. Just as in the midst of sin, there is forgiveness. In the midst of ungrace, there is God's grace. God pulls back the veil at Easter, and the frame of our vision gets opened up. And we finally get it that our journey on this earth is not about avoiding death. It's about living life. And they are different things. And Jesus leads us into that life that really is life. This Easter, many churches are recognizing that today, April 4th, is the anniversary of the assassination of Martin Luther King 53 years ago. And on the night before he died, and he was in Memphis to support the sanitation workers, he gave his final speech. Not knowing that he had less than 24 hours to live, he begins his speech talking about how grateful he is to have lived the full 39 years of his life so far. He says that he is happy just to have seen the beginning of the second half of the 20th century. These are his words. Strangely enough, I would turn to the Almighty and say, if you allow me to live just a few years into the second half of the 20th century, I will be happy. Now that's a strange statement to make because the world is all messed up. The nation is sick. Trouble is in the land. Confusion is all around. It's a strange statement, but I know somehow that only when it is dark enough can you see the light. And he went on to remember how 10 years before, when he was 29, a woman who was deranged tried to stab him with a knife at a book signing. And the knife came so close to his aorta that before his surgery, if he had sneezed, he would have drowned in his own blood. And he goes on to show his gratitude for the 10 years that he might not have gotten all that he saw during that time. 
And he also remembered the letter from a young girl who wrote to him, who happened to be a young white girl, who said, Dr. King, I'm so glad you didn't sneeze. Those 10 years living on the cusp of life and death. And then finally, famously, at the end of this final speech, he declared that even if he was to die, he would be happy because he had been to the mountaintop and he had seen the promised land. Like a true prophet, he could see more than most. He could see that there was still work to be done and that while it was a long cause, it was not a lost cause. And I'm sure he knew that the cause would need to go on past his mortal life if he were to live one more day or one more decade. And that his work would need to be continued by people like all of us today who are this moment blessed with breath and energy and life, and that we can use our lives to bring the beloved community about and to fight the plague of racism that has no easy vaccine. It's a prophetic gift to see more than what meets the eye, to see beyond the frame. And what I mean by saying beyond the frame, it is like how life is on Zoom. Uh, I'm sure many of us are familiar with there is such a thing as a frame. It's what is on the camera and what is not on the camera. So if you've ever been in that situation where you're wearing maybe a coat and a tie, but you're wearing sweatpants and no shoes. Maybe there's a mess on the floor, but it doesn't matter because it's outside of the frame. Well, this is how we can sometimes live life as well, where we only see what's within a certain frame, but there is more to the story. When you meet a person, you only see that frame that's being presented, but there's always, always more. And what matters is that God sees the whole picture. And in this gospel, it's helpful to think in these terms because we get this most mysterious ending to any gospel. Of the four gospels, Mark is the shortest one. It's the one where he uses the least words to tell the story of Jesus, which means what he says, every word is powerful. And at the end of the gospel, which we just heard, verse 8, we actually don't get a resurrection story. We only get an empty tomb story. Do you notice that? The women see the tomb is empty. They don't get to hang out with the risen Jesus and nobody's eating fish with him on a beach as we hear about in other versions of the telling of, of his resurrection. We only see that they find the tomb empty and they find the angels and the angels tell them that he is risen, but they are afraid and the final words tell us that they go away in fear and they say nothing to anybody. But do you see what Mark is doing? Mark is making us go beyond the frame. The really good news is there, but we have to find it on our own, with our own lives. Mark will not spoon feed to us. Mark says, go to Galilee, there you will see him. He's saying to us, lift your eyes off the page. In your life, he is risen and present to you. There you will find him.
prophet and king could see beyond the frame because they had that gift. But Jesus is a bridge to what is beyond the frame, and that is his gift to us. He takes us there where we die to death and we die to the horizon, to the limit, so that we can live with him in the richness that we discover beyond. In the midst of life, we are in death, and in the midst of death, we are in life. We may or may not have our bags packed, but that ticket will come for each one of us one day, like it did for King and like it did for Coffin. And yet all we have to do is to really open our eyes to remove the limitations of our vision. And we will see that the promised land is in sight, that heaven is surrounding us even now, and that Christ is risen, and he invites us to join with him in the life above. Amen.